have a seat here as I welcome up Matthew and Scott as well, who are going to join me. I'll tell you exactly who's coming up as we stick with this theme of talent. Uh, coming up to the stage, Scott Mullins, CEO of Pimlico Plumbers and the Head of Global Happiness at the Happiness Index. Matthew Phelan, give him a warm round of applause, please. Uh, thank you. Yeah, no, come to the end. Come, come down here, Matt. Okay. You might have heard us, actually. Um, Ali was um, saying her favourite interview question. Have you got a favourite interview question, Scott? Favourite interview question? Uh, mine would be when people come in for an interview. I mean, we've got a recruitment team in-house. Yeah. Anyway, so everything's done. But mine would be, what do you know about the brand? What do you know about us? That, yeah. That's for me. You know, if you can rule that off to me, then, uh, you know... You're Have they done their homework? Exactly that. Exactly that. Matthew, what's your? Uh, um, I'm going to I'm going to steal mine from a um, someone that I interviewed recently called Oren Bowman, who's the head of marketing for Chelsea Football Club. But don't judge him on that. Um, he said that his his favourite thing to ask at the end is, "Can I just come and sit here for a couple of days and experience the culture?" Um, and I suddenly, I'd never considered that myself, and I thought, that's amazing, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. It, everyone's sort of selling to you as well these days, aren't yeah. they, about the job. But the mm -hmm. best way to do is just come and work and experience the culture. So I think that's a good test, because if someone's a bit worried, they're going to say no, aren't they? Yeah. I would say. Yeah, but if they say, if they, but if they say that, Ali, would that be yeah. acceptable? I mean, it, it's quite a big commitment if you're interviewing 10 people and they all say that, but yeah. I'm sure they probably wouldn't. Yeah. No, it's a good test as well about whether you'd yeah, say yeah. yes to that. Yeah. So let's just remind ourselves, uh, Pimlico, but by the way, let me just put on the record, I helped start what's now a thriving social enterprise called VIY, Volunteer It Yourself, Young People Fix Their Own Youth Clubs, first ever backer, Pimlico Plumbers. Took a rep, took a bet on us. It's such a cool company. So thank you, Scott. I hope you don't mind that's saying right, no, that no, that's in front of our audience that. today. Just to remind us, we've all heard of the brand, but just to remind us of the shape of the business these days. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, my father started the business off in uh, 1979, and he was a uh, obviously a plumber and a very good plumber, and uh, he was working for an estate agents, and he was never really the type of guy who was going to be uh, ordered about too much, you know, he just wasn't that way inclined. <laughs> so uh, he worked in his estate agents and uh, he started to sort of see a market out in Pimlico where he used to see, you know, a few bits and pieces and people started asking for him, you know, oh, can you come and do this for me? Can you come and do that for me? And all of a sudden he started doing these bits and pieces while he was working in the estate agents. So he see a market out there and he decided, you know, people started to call him Mr Pimlico. Mm -hmm. You know, so he started to get back. And I remember him saying to me, I was only, only a young boy then, but I was involved with the business from seven. And I remember him saying to me, you know, there's, there's a market out there, I'm going to do what everybody else doesn't do in the trade. Mm. And I said, uh, well, what's that then, Dad? And he said, well, I'm going to be smart and tidy with clean uniform. My van will be clean. Yeah. I'll turn up when I say I'm going to turn up. Mm. If the job ain't right, I'll put it right. I'll be very transparent. And I'll change the image of the, of the trade. You know, if, the other thing is he probably wouldn't sit under the sink with his arse showing, like a lot of these plumbers do. <laughs> so, so he decided also to change that. So he really wanted to change the image, and it, right. it wasn't rocket science. It was just something he felt that he could do. And to say it's been successful would be a bit of an understatement. Just give us a sense of the business today. Any numbers you're allowed to share? How many plumbers you have on the team? Just give us a sense. Sure. We, we have 500 uh, members of staff now, over 250 uh, engineers, and uh, with a turnover of 50 mil this year. 
Fantastic. Congratulations. I'm just trying to wonder what you were doing at seven. Were you shilling up the pipes? Were you, uh, no, no. I, I was answering the phones then and uh, used to call me dad on a bleeper. You know, they used to have a lot of Answering the then. phones? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like the yeah. Artful yeah. Dodger. That's amazing. Yeah, that's how it was for us then. That's amazing. And the happiness index, Matt, is sort of, you know, this is already going to intrigue people, isn't it? Because we think, well, can this be measured? What are we doing? Is it a big <laughs> dashboard? Give us a sense of why you started it and what it is today. Yeah, so I'm, I'm 36 years old. The first 18... Uh, years of my career, I uh, worked with animals before I worked with humans. With animals? Um, as in cows. Um, I grew up on a farm. Um, and then I, then I went into the world of work, and I realized that animals are better at communicating than human beings. Um, if anyone's a dog owner here, they'll be going, yep, yep, totally get that. And what, what I mean is, although we've got this amazing thing called language, we're actually really bad at telling each other how we feel, mm -hmm. um, especially if we think what we, that bit of feedback we might give someone like to a plumber, like maybe you should pull up your trousers uh, when you go on a job. Sometimes that can be hurtful to people. Mm -hmm. So as I went through my career, we used to work, uh, it was very similar to what Scott was saying at Pimbaco, Pimbaco. I started a marketing agency and we grew it from two people to a thousand people in a 10 year period, but we based it on employee first. So that point earlier about Amazon on customer, we believed it was employee first and that would filter through to customer, but we realized we didn't have a way of tracking that. So we built a piece of technology called the Happiness Index that, it, that feeds back into the CEO, HR direction, CFO, how the people are feeling. When you so say the people, this is their own staff. Their own staff, but also their customers if people want to go to that level. Most people start with the employee. Um, but it's, but it's, it's, when people look at a spreadsheet um, and the financial results, all you're really seeing is the final output, aren't you, when you see the money, yeah. but you don't see the invisible stuff like customer service because all those things that Scott's talking about around how the fact that people turn up and they're professional, that all leads into uh, loyalty and all those types mm -hmm. of things. So it's a, it's a very simple dashboard that, that gives the people running a business an understanding of how people are feeling. And is that everyone's now wondering, to what extent <laughs> is the happiness of a company and its employees correlated with its financial success? Well, that's the, the first thing around happiness is, is the first thing that we need to do is link it to performance. So most people are taught by their parents that if you work hard at school, go to university, get a degree, get a job in legal or accountancy, then you'll be happy. Mm. But what our data shows, it's the other way around, which if you teach your children to be happy in the same as you get your employees to be happy, they perform better. And, it, and it's, uh, it's a lot, to, and I was joking with Ollie beforehand, it's a lot for people to take in at first if you thought the other way around. Because someone came up to me the other day and said, yeah, but aren't happy people lazy? And I was like, that, what you mean is people that are stoned, not people that are happy. <laughs> There's a, big, there's a big difference, um, so but there's a real, if, you, if you're happy in your work and you love your work, the numbers show you perform better and the financials will come from that. So actually getting a handle on how content, how, how happy your workforce is matters hugely, but how do you do it? How does it actually work for you in practice, Scott? Well, I would totally agree with Matt. I think things have changed so much in times. I mean, you know... It's not about so much about the pound note anymore. You know, I mean, I think years ago, you know, people had to stereotype 20, 30 years ago, you're earning this type of money, etc. You know, staff don't worry so much about them. I think it's changed. I mean, you know, at Pimlico now, we have a, an in-house gym. You know, I mean, we have a, seems strange, we have a, a masseur who comes in mm. four times. You seem interested in that, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, my eyebrows. Shut up. Sorry, this is a job interview, Dad. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's four times a week. Uh, you know, we have, uh, we have a uh, subsidised canteen. We do employee of the month, which they go to Langham's on a £200 voucher. Uh, we have a barbecue on the roof in the summer. 
And all these little bits and pieces, they just they make people feel valued. And I so I'm going to I'm going to want more on this. But Ali, just on this measurement point, what's mm -hmm. your sense of this? Because we heard yesterday about what someone was calling almost an internal net promoter score. Mm. How are the companies you're working with, other than with Matt's brilliant dashboard, um, how are they getting a handle on how their staff feel? Yeah, I mean, it's often surveys and asking people to fill in responses about, um, you know, what's going well at work and mm -hmm. what they're enjoying. But I think, for me, that the whole theory of motivation sits behind this. So what annoys people at work is stuff like red tape, irritating managers, uh, most people leave a manager, they don't leave a company. Mm -hmm. And um, I think we can actually do a lot to increase happiness by stopping doing things that make people unhappy. Mm -hmm. So part of the reason we do staff surveys is we find out what annoys people, what yeah. wastes their time, what causes them frustration. If we can stop doing that, Just getting it out we the can way. get happiness. One, one thing that's been playing on my mind, we want the best companies to be at our service 24-7 there when we need them, particularly in your business, Scott. But we can't expect that of an individual because they need to rest. We don't want them to burn out. So mm. how do we create an environment where our colleagues and team members are well-rested and productive, but at the same time, we don't let our customers and clients down? Matt, any clues, any tips? Um, so our, our data talks about a thing that people think is a, a marketing slogan, but it's, we call it freedom to be human. So I used to think, so I'm a bit, my... I'm a bit like Ali in terms of work, the way that I work. So like I dropped my kids off before I came here and that's, that's non-negotiable for me. But what we realised is that you find stuff that you think that works for you, but then you try and force it out on everyone else. So that works for me, but that might not work for other okay, people. Okay. Um, and ex examples of that, um, I, I found this brilliant thing where, so when I go on holiday, I turn my phone off and that's it. You can't get hold of me. And BMW do this thing where when you're on holiday, if you email that person, you get an, a, an email back that says, um, the, that person, this email's been deleted. This is our policy. When someone's on holiday, it's deleted. If it's important, call them when they get back. And I thought, that's brilliant. Oh, I'll put that in. But when I spoke, I, I employ a lot of techies, a lot of people hated that. Mm -hmm. and, but, and what I realized, what, were, what works for Scott and what works for Ali would, would be completely different. So... It's like anything, like if you've got children or, or you've got friends, you've got to make it individual and allow different people to work in different ways. Some right. people are night people, some people are morning so people. So on this, and I've got so many things and I know we will want to ask you, so briefly, Scott, how do you make sure the team feel good but they're also in touch? You say, go off, have a good night off, I you're think, done? Yeah, no, I think, I think there's a few things you do. You, you get a few team bonding things going. You know, you know once a month we'll have bowling, we'll do this, we'll do that. Mm -hmm. Flexibility that... Uh, Matt was on about it's important. You know, you've got to look at people's lifestyles now. Mm -hmm. Listen, I mean, you are running businesses and listen, you can't allow, people can't tell you exactly what they're doing in the same aspects. You know, if you're a mother, you want to drop the kids off and you're getting the job done and they want to come in earlier, start later. That's fine. Listen, you know, people don't decide when taps are going to leak. So listen, <laughs> we're 24 seven. So yeah. for us, flexibility has become massive. And for me, that's the word, be flexible. Right, Ali, anything to add on that, particularly because you've made some amazing choices in terms of how you work your own week. Yeah. Uh, what, have, what have you seen? Well, I mean, I, we had um, a lady who worked with us for a while who'd been uh, HR director at Sainsbury's before she joined us. And one of the things she did was change the staffing rota. So before they used to just assign people shifts, part-time part mm. people shift, and then they let people choose their own shifts. And staff turnover decreased by a third just by letting people choose, which is, you know, what we're all saying. And... Um, you know, I, in a way you could say, well, I'm the founder, I'm the owner of the business, mm. so I've got the privileged uh, 
place of choosing when I work, yeah. which is true, yeah. but then it's not very fair for me to do that and not extend the same right. opportunity. So there's some jobs in our business which you have to do a particular pattern, mm -hmm. like finance, but how can you make things flexible? How can you make people really understand what they're signing up for before yeah. they join you? Choosing your own shift. Scott, would that work around your way? It can work. Uh, yeah, it can certainly work. You know, I mean, it's not going to work, I think, as Harry said, in every department or every area, but for us, it certainly can work, yeah, and it yes. does work. So one thing Pimlico has done brilliantly is keep talent for a very long time. Mm. In some cases, record-breakingly yes. long time. Top tip for how to hold on to brilliant people and not let them go, because actually, you could have a hugely successful life as an independent entrepreneurial plumber, and yet they stay with you. Why? Value. Simply value them. Just make them know their worth, little pat on the back, don't hurt, etc. Just value the individual. Little massage. <laughs> I don't do the massage. But, but no, for me, the key is, is value them and make them, make them part of your family. I mean, we're a family-run business. Make, make them feel part of that family. You know what I mean? You, you're, all, you're all working together. You're all drinking out the same teapot. Just value them. I love that phrase. I heard that phrase from Charlie a few years yes, ago. Yes, he said I that. Love it. I love it. Um, perks. Are they overrated, Ali? It depends what you mean by a perk. I mean, I'm not a fan at all of cinema vouchers or, you know, things that, shopping vouchers and those kinds of things, which I think when you say the word perk, you can think of these companies yeah, that provide tried. those kinds of things. Yeah, okay, okay. But I think, you know, if you ask people if they want flexibility, if they want um, choices, if they want to, um, you know, have access to the training that they want, then absolutely it's So that's interesting. So how, um, anyone that we could learn from in terms of just offering these training opportunities to say, look, you have a budget or, you know, in terms of lifelong learning, anything we should think about? So I don't know that that always works mm -hmm. because um, certainly working in HR, if you say to people, everybody, you've got 500 pounds this year to go and do some training at the end of the year, you realize nobody's done any training at all because actually it comes back to individuals, people, individual people's career aspirations yeah. and where they want to go and actually most people need to be coached into it yeah. and supported and um, sort of handheld on that journey particularly when they're the younger okay. end of the demographic. Okay well how do you say well there's an award-winning business learnably that's showing the opposite actually in terms of budgeting showing people an array of things they can buy not everyone just does nothing Matt where are you on this? Um, I would quote a, a children's book uh, about a wise owl that gets wiser by using these. I've got really small ears, so I'm probably the worst person to do this, but is listening. Like, I, I think the, the, it goes back to what Ali was saying about what is a perk, and I think the number, the number one thing that we see in our data is that people feel that if, they, if they're listened to and they have a voice, you still need to action on that. You can't just be listening and listening and not doing anything with it, but I think... Um, perks are not overrated if they're the right type of thing mm -hmm. and that and it goes back to the original point they have to be personalized to what that individual wants but the thing that's consistent is everyone wants someone to listen to mm -hmm. no so matter how busy well, you are so you've built a brilliant team what's the number one thing that's worked for you in terms of those small incentives that do make a massive difference I think um, I remember working uh, when I was a student I used to work in Asda and I, sorry if I swear but I remember someone I remember someone a customer saying to their child don't fucking swear at their child. And what I've realised is people, mo people model you. Mm. So um, it goes back to Scott's point, which is if you want people to be loyal, you have to be loyal to them. 
So business is going to go through a tough time in the next six, 12 months. Mm. And if you show loyalty to people, I, I believe they show it back to you. And that's what I've seen from my team. Mm, interesting. So questions. What are your thoughts? What are your, on any bit of this talent uh, puzzle? We'll go to the second row here. And then there'll be a special prize of as many fruit jellies as you can eat <laughs> in the lunch break. Yes, here we go. Second row, just in the middle. Here we are. Thank you. Hi guys, uh, Joe here from RecBid. Um, what kind of changes do you see and envision in the next 10 years in regards to work culture? Mm. You touched on Scott obviously previously that financial incentives used to be obviously quite prominent. Now uh, it's more about happiness, work culture and culture fit. Um, so how do you see that actually progressing and changing, particularly as the younger generations get into the workforce? Very good question. Are there any other questions lurking out there while we give the panel time to think about that? What else? Yes, we'll just go just to the back here, please. Thank you very much. We'll race across. You've got some predictions for us. Do my best. We can come, we can go, yeah. We'll come back in a year or ten. <laughs> here we go. Please, go away. Um, don't go away, throw far away. <laughs> go ahead. I haven't even started yet. Um, <laughs> I just wondered whether you had any tips for engaging the unengaged, because you talked there about engaging yeah. your teams, etc. and I can see value, but just what, there were those, and we all have them, who aren't. And you know, the bottom 20%. Slightly, slightly under-motivated employees, that sort of... Exactly that. And actually, they're the ones who you either don't engage or you, you recognise are going to be a problem okay. for you. So two yeah. great questions. Uh, where, where would you like to go? Ali? Well, I think some of the stuff that's um, changing all, all the time, I, I think it's already been mentioned today, you know, technology might change, but actually that is a human systems and job design change. So actually how we skill people up. At the moment, we've got the lowest unemployment in the UK that we've seen since the 70s, and we can't just go out and buy the skills that we need into our business. And also because tech's changing so fast, nobody has the skills unless we train people. So I think... Um, and. Uh, my sort of feel is that SMEs are not great at training people. We can do quite good on the job stuff, but actually significantly helping people to be forward thinking and actively change, I don't think we're good enough. So I think um, upskilling people, I think actively planning for culture change and um, that whole uh, employee experience and what we want them to feel when they're at work. So the world's changing so rapidly, there actually can be quite a lot of distrust in lots of life. And if your employer is a person that you can trust, who deserves, you know, is loyal to you and you can be loyal back to it, it's actually quite a unique and privileged position being an employer and trying to create that environment where employees feel at home. So yeah. I think really developing how we do that and um, yeah, I mean, there's loads more. And, and, and this skills point is quite a big challenge for your industry, isn't it, Scott? In terms of the number of young people coming into the trade, how are you going to respond to that? Whose responsibility is it to train them up, to get them the skills no, they need? I mean, it's a good question. I mean, there, there's a big skill shortage on, on tradespeople. There's no that, you know, there's, there's not plumbers, electricians on the end of a rod you're reeling in. So any business, I feel, especially the business we're in, is missing the opportunity with apprenticeships, then they're missing the boat big time because you get these youngsters, you give them a chance. I mean, you know, we've got 70 apprentices now, 20 of them are ladies, which is fantastic. And I'm going to be honest with you, they're actually better if not, well, they are, they're better than the men. They're that good. They're coming. I mean, I think it was six out of 10 when we done an awards for the apprentices, six of them were ladies who won it. Yep. They were that. But you've got to invest in apprentices, 
bring them through. They only know your way, you know, and then that, for us, that is going to be the way forward because there is a shortage, mm. there is a problem there. And again, you know, I go to a lot of schools and you go to schools and you go to these schools, Ollie, and it frustrates me because a lot of these schools, the teachers are talking to these kids and they only know university. That's all they know. That's, that's what they're getting told mm. all the time. University, yeah. university, university. Conveyable. Now, I don't have a problem with university, but what I am saying is, is university, you can get in debt, or you tend to get in debt. Yeah. There's no guarantee of a job, right? As an apprentice, mm. you're getting paid while you're working. You can learn while you earn. Learn while you earn. You've got a guaranteed job for life and a very, very well-paid job. Yeah. 100% agree. No issue with universities. I dropped out of two. So, um, what, <laughs> Matthew, what other big changes are you predicting, are you seeing? Um, I'll get, Scott, what's your father's name? I missed that. Charlie. 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 I predict more Charlies. Um, and what I mean by that is it's quite often because you quite get, you get people that are CEOs and MDs that have got children and they moan about how people turn up for work and they want to work on stuff that's got purpose. Um, and that they'll, they'll leave if it's not the way they want it to be, and they call them snowflakes. But then if you meet these same people at the weekend, they're telling that their own children to go and challenge and question and, mm -hmm. and ask. So I think that, that you have to be ready for a workforce, that, are, that you have to be to answer the questions why. Um, because they don't want to be like commanded around or do this, do that. The, the new generation of people have been, have, have been taught to, thought, to think. And, and, even if they, and even if they haven't, they can just go to YouTube and learn learn how to do all this stuff. So mm. I think we've got better young people coming than we've ever had into the workforce, but we need to be able to adapt for the, adapt for the Charlies that are going to come in because more people are going to make that decision where they go, screw this, I'm going to do it for myself. I don't want to be ordered around in this way. Interesting. So questions. I'm looking out. We've got about five minutes left. Yeah, please, we'll come to you. We had a question over there. Oh, is there one on the other side? No, already asked. What do you do about the... Oh, you're absolutely right about disengaged <laughs> workforce. Gosh, I need to be replaced immediately. Uh, so what are we going to do about these uh, under-engaged chairs? Um, what, about, um, what about that question, Joe? Oh, Ali, forgive me. Ali. Um, so we did a really interesting exercise with a company a few years ago who did have a number of these sort of unengaged, um, either can'ts or won'ts, you know, they can't do the job or they won't. And we actually took them the whole business through an exercise of talking about three types of people. The star performers, who are the people who get a good outcome no matter what. The resistors on the other end, who are either the can'ts or the won'ts. And then the followers in the middle, a sort mm -hmm. of uh, steady state, do their job. And by presenting that concept to the entire business, it raised so many one-to-one -one conversations mm -hmm. where people who were the, un, you know, the disengaged started saying to their managers, that's me, isn't it? I'm one of the ones that annoys you. <laughs> and it led to a whole load of one-to-one -one conversations and actually actively either changing, helping to change people's minds or getting them out of the business because it, they weren't helping anybody and they weren't happy. Good. Well, thank, thank you, Ellie, for drawing my attention back to this question. Scott, <laughs> have you got a tip and Matt as well? Yep. I would simply, my opinion is, is just keep valuing, give plenty of flexibility, listen to what people got to say, and unfortunately you get them, and when you do get a rotten apple, get them out. It's simple as that. They will come in there, unfortunately, you know, not everybody's bang on, but when you do get one, they can invest in other people. It's just work with the people who really want to be on board with you and value them. Matt, what would you add? Um, can you put your hand up if you've watched the Emoji movie? Has anyone watched that? Cool. One. So just me and Jenny. 
Um, it gets really bad scores, but I'd say it's one of the best films I've ever watched in my entire life. It's about an emoji called the meh emoji, which is meh, which is that unengaged feeling. Mm. Um, and if you watch the, the I don't want to ruin it, but what happens <laughs> is the meh emoji is fed up with being the meh emoji, because that's the only emoji it ever gets to be, but it wants to be these other things. So it's a combination of um, what Ali and Scott is saying, which is listen to people about why they're feeling like that and try and un undercover, uh, uncover that. And then if you can fix that, that's cool. But actually, sometimes people are in the wrong company and mm -hmm. some honest conversations need to be had. I, I, I genu genuinely say this to my team every week, which is if you don't want to work here, please let me know. Because this, is, this for me, is the mo I get to do the most amazing thing yeah. every week. And if you don't, I'll, tr I'll help you find that thing right. because life's too short. Right, so, so on that, and what a lovely thing to yeah. say to, uh, on that, uh, uh, I'll help you find that other thing as well. Ali, if somebody in the room is thinking, I have to have a tough conversation because unfortunately someone has to leave my team in the near future, give us a piece of advice that we might not have known if we hadn't gone through that before. What have you learned? Have some facts, prepare for the meeting, um, and never back someone into a corner. Always give them space for a way out. Um, cornered animals react, very, cornered cows, I don't know if you do that, <laughs> uh, react very badly. So always give someone a place to go, yep. um, you know, to change or to leave or um, some training. Yeah. Scott, would you add anything? Because you've got so many, you know. Yeah, get someone else to do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, my idea, Ollie, would be is, is that, you know, let's see that, you know, not everybody works in a certain department. You might find a different department that they thrive in. It might not yeah, be yeah, for yeah, them, yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah. So is it out of the job or out of the organisation? It's, a, that's, it's that's an right. important So sometimes you yeah, can be, okay. you know, the wrong person in the wrong job. They still yeah. might be superb and then you give them an option elsewhere and you found something great. And they can thrive. Yeah. That's it. There was a question just in the middle here, please. And that'll be our final question before our break, please. Okay. Um, hi, it's a kind of epidemic question. It's not about a virus, but it's about sort of mental health and well-being. Mm. And, you know, it's um, connected to engagement and stress and, and so on. I'm just interested in your thoughts about what a company, what an organisation should be doing about that and what you're, you're doing about it. Or, in fact, actually, is it even a company's responsibility? Is this a personal responsibility? So just interested in your mm. thoughts. Yeah, so this yeah. is about the mental health of our workforce, yeah. Yeah. to what extent we should take a responsibility and what we can do uh, to improve it. I'm tempted to come to Matthew last. Mm. Yeah. Um, Ali. I mean, I, yes, I think it is. Com companies have to do something about it because actually often companies are adding to the stress and the pressure that somebody's under. Right. And flexible working is part of it. Giving people opportunities to be heard and be listened to and to be supported and to be developed is part of it. And also giving people some space in their busy lives. So yeah, I absolutely um, think companies need to take responsibility. And if you've got a, a difficult culture or an overbearing manager, these are all things that companies can do to make it easier for people. So at the risk of generalizing, Scott, we think of um, tradespeople just being, you know, it's a no-nonsense business. You're there to do a really important job. That doesn't mean there's not room to think about mental health as well. No, you're totally right. I mean, we, you know, we've got a HR department and they're very much on the end of the line. We've got support numbers. I mean, you know, a lot of plumbers say to us that uh, working on their own, 
for mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. eight hours, ten hours. It may seem silly, but you've got to start listening to people. I think you know people are becoming more open now. I think you know years ago, men and as much as ladies now would have hit away with a problem. I think now, which is fantastic, people are opening up, and businesses, as Ali says, need to be flexible. Need to listen. Mm. They need to give them the support, give them the help they need, and uh, and again, you know, keep valuing and supporting people. Yeah, absolutely. So. Matthew, some, some sort of final thoughts as we go in to lunch. I know it's something you've done a lot of looking at. Yeah, it's an area of working a lot, and I'll just give it. I'll just lend it some neuroscience in, and if anyone wants to know any more about that, just let us know. And I'll, I'll use an oversimplified model, but we've really got three parts of the brain through evolution. Um, so we've got the reptilian part here, we've got the mammal part here, and we've got the human part here. And when people are stressed, what happens is they go back into their reptilian part of the brain. But the bit that differentiates um, humans from mammals, going back to my cow part from uh, earlier, is the, fat, is, is the frontal cortex, which gives us creativity. And if we look at the future of work and we see more automation and robots coming into certain things, the bit that differentiates us as human beings. So to answer your question, if you're not doing that, you're not getting the best out of your people, and I would therefore argue you might not be the best manager for the future. Um, so there's two answers. One, you should be doing it as a good human being, in my personal opinion. But if you're looking at as a, if you're strictly looking at it as management as performance, then you should be doing it anyway. And I would see it as part of someone's job to understand that. Mm. So many interesting thought starters there. Thank you very much. Uh, and we've we've reached the sort of time out mark for uh, for our break. I'm afraid. But uh, would you agree this has been a great? conversation between us. I hope you'll agree. Um, so many good things. And Ali, you've really set the tone for that so well. So thank you very much uh, to Ali, to, um, uh, to Matthew, and of course to Scott. Thank Thanks you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, please.